concern for all the parents. Um, we want them gone. Tonight, coyote concerns what some Brampton families are being forced to do to keep their kids safe as a pack of coyotes makes a schoolyard its home. Good evening. We'll bring you that story in just a moment, but we begin with the efforts of one Toronto parent fighting against what she calls a troubling trend in her son's school. She claims her young child has been facing ongoing discrimination, isolation and racism. CTV's Natalie Johnson has their account in tonight's top story. This is inhumane treatment to lock a six-year-old in a room like this. It was inside this small room by the school office that a mother alleges her six-year-old son was locked for about half an hour one day in January. It's emotional. It's unbelievable. It felt and it looks like imprisonment, solitary confinement, and it's cruel and unusual punishment. The child is a grade one student at John Fisher Junior Public School in Midtown Toronto and according to his mother had been sent down to the office that day when another student who was injured came in for medical treatment. I think they are bleeding. And then my, my son knows that child say oh what happened. So that's when he's told he's being distracted and he's laid to the room and he's locked in the room. The advocacy group Parents of Black Children is now demanding answers, and the TDSB has launched an investigation into exactly what happened. The principal immediately yelled out to us because she was there. It wasn't inside the room. We took the desk and we put it outside. And I turned to the superintendent and said, just so you know, we believe the child. The boy's mother also says the child, who she says is the only black boy in the class, was made to sit alone at a desk with unpleasant words written on it, separated from his peers. So I go to the class, I find out that my son sits alone in the corner. His desk is in the corner. And then, you know, I ask the teacher why. He says because he's already distracting other kids. One of dozens of examples, she says, of anti-black racism she and her child have been subjected to at the school. Some of which, she says, she captured on audio after placing a hidden recording device in her son's pants. The first classroom teacher, the way he was talking to me was outrageous. The school board said in a statement, no child should experience what has been reported and we apologize for the impact it has had on the student and their family. During the investigation, the principal, vice principal and a teacher have been put on home assignment to allow us time to better understand what occurred. It's going to take a lot of time for my son to really trust the school system again. The TDSB says it will work to support the student and his family and complete the investigation as soon as possible. Natalie Johnson, CTV News. Advocacy group Parents of Black Children is expected to hold a news conference tomorrow. It says it will address the issue of systemic racism in the TDSB. The group plans to launch an initiative to help families better navigate the challenges they may face when they raise the topic of racial violence in Toronto schools. Drivers beware. If you plan to park on city streets tonight, you better read the signs carefully. Toronto crews will be plowing and hauling out that small mountain of snow that fell on Friday. And they're making a plea to car owners to help out. Our Austin Delaney is near Danforth and Broadview right now. Austin, what are officials asking for? Well, they're asking anybody who's parked their vehicle on a designated snow removal street to remove their car. There's 150 such streets in the city of Toronto. The city wants to remove the snow. And if you're caught and your car's parked there when they're doing it, they will tow it and you'll get a fine. 
fair warning from the city as it posted no parking signs along the south side of the Danforth early this morning as it readies to remove what the plows have pushed from the road to the bike lanes following the weekend snowstorm. We are winding down our uh, plowing and salting operations. They, the crews have done multiple passes um, on all the infrastructure, the arterial roads, the collector roads, our local roads, which normally only get one or two passes, actually had multiple more passes, the sidewalks and the bicycle lanes. Now the crew switched gear to snow removal, having declared a major snowstorm condition. Residents who have vehicles parked on designated snow routes are asked to move their vehicles as soon as possible. All snow routes are signposted and include all streetcar routes in the city. The no parking signs are up today. The active snow removal actually begins after the rush hour. Snow will be collected and trucked to one of four city snow dumps. The operation begins cutting through the heart of the city, along the Danforth to the east and Bloor Street to the west. Vehicles parked in the way will be towed. Yesterday, uh, there were a few cars that police, as part of their normal operations, they do in tandem with us. There were cars that were parked that were blocking streetcar tracks, and so there were a few, maybe two or three. Uh, but I don't believe any have, have, they've not started yet. Owners of vehicles parked on one of the 150 designated snow routes highlighted in red could face fines of up to $200. How long will this operation take? The city says as long as it takes, probably till the end of the week, reporting live. I'm Austin Delaney. Nathan? Thank you, Austin. Coming up, snow plows plowing into parked vehicles. What you need to know if your car was damaged by a city truck. That story's just ahead. But first, hi over Nathan Phillips Square tonight in our CTV News Chopper. We're looking down on a live celebration for Toronto. The city turns 189 years old today, and starting tonight, it's putting on two weeks of events to mark the occasion. And our Lindsay Morrison is at Nathan Phillips Square tonight in the midst of the celebrations. Uh, not a bad night for a party. You know what? This is all right, Michelle. I know the city is thrilled that this event is back in action. There's so much you can come down and enjoy here tonight. Of course, there's the skating out by the Toronto sign, but there's also a marketplace. There is live music, there are food trucks, and there's little warming locations with fireplaces where you can enjoy a hot chocolate. Like you said, this is all in celebration of the city's 189th anniversary, or birthday, if you will. So we're going to check out the sights and sounds during the 6 o'clock news tonight, but we're also going to talk about your weather. A much calmer start to the work week compared to the end of last work week. Let's take a look first at the satellite and radar imagery. If you're joining us from the west end of the GTA, it's worth mentioning that you've had some light snow today, and that continues at this hour. Some rain in the Windsor area, but as we zoom a little closer, notice how the flurry activity essentially stops in the west end, not having a big impact on downtown Toronto, the east end, or north of the city. Winds right now not overly strong but they will strengthen as we make our way through the night tonight so it's going to feel a little bit chilly out here at times if you're thinking of coming on down to nathan phillips square you might want to bundle up accordingly currently at pearson airport it is two degrees we're in for lots of sunshine tomorrow but it is going to be a chilly start to the day we'll talk about that and when the next round of active weather is set to roll in that's coming up in your forecast nathan and michelle back to you all right thank you lindsay Police are trying to track down the killers behind an overnight stabbing death at our city's core. The victim was in his 50s, and as CTV's Janice Golding reports, authorities say the attack may have been targeted. 
Police cruisers blocked the intersection of Queen at Sherburne overnight. Following calls, a group of people had attacked and stabbed a man about 10 to 1 a.m. There appears to be a, a conflict uh, that is taking place on the street here, just behind me. There is an attack on one individual. Uh, that individual collapses. Investigators say they're now looking for three men who took off on foot eastbound along Queen Street East, although they don't have descriptions of the suspects. Oh, man, that's not good. Horrific. Really upset. I'm terrible. There's a lot of things going on in this city that uh, the, um, the police and the mayor have to do something about this. Police say the victim was bleeding quite badly from a stab wound, and despite all efforts by first responders, the man would die at a local trauma center. Meanwhile, this is the second stabbing at the same intersection in just two weeks. On February 25th, another man was stabbed, this time at 9.45 in the morning. Queen and Sherburne. Not surprised then? No, not at all. That's terrible. Probably mean the community, of course, you have to be careful. Police say they don't believe this latest stabbing was random. There's a possibility they might be acquaintances of each other uh, or the group of uh, persons uh, who frequent this area. Detectives say they can't confirm if the victim was a homeless man, although the attack did take place just a few feet away from a nearby shelter. Janice Golding, CTV News. And at around the same time as the stabbing on Queen, there was a shooting at a hotel near Kingston Road and McCowan. It left one man in life-threatening condition. He's now fighting for his life in hospital. No word on arrests or a suspect description. A house fire in Oshawa is under some increased scrutiny tonight. The morning blaze killed one person inside the home, and authorities say the circumstances behind it are suspicious. CTV Sean Lethong is in Whitby tonight, and he joins us now. Sean, what else are officials saying? Well, we spoke to the fire chief this morning, Michelle. They told us that there was sus uh, the fire itself was suspicious because it may have started in more than one location inside the house. A fire takes the life of one person inside this Oshawa home. When asked if they know the cause, the fire department says... At this time, no, uh, but we are listing this fire as suspicious. Fire Chief Derek Clark saying it's suspicious because the fire may have started in more than one location in the home. It appears at this time that the, there may have been a multiple locations, so we're, we're looking into the, those reports and we're going to try and confirm that information as the investigation moves on. Those who know the area say that they are not surprised. It's sad, but, you know, uh, that behavior is not tolerated. It's sad. Howell Weir owns several homes nearby along with a parking lot across the street. He says there were non-stop visitors to the house at 99 Court Street. Weir says the last few months have been very frustrating. For me, as a business person and the parking lot, it was really annoying. I kept chasing them out of the parking lot, chasing them out of the parking lot. The behavior was unruly. One woman who owns a home nearby but did not want to be identified tells a similar story. Every time I come here, there's people in Ubers and whatever just running in and out of the house, in and out of the house. The fire department was called just before 10 o'clock this morning. Crews arrived and quickly knocked down the flames, which is when they discovered a person dead inside. We've called in the assistance of the Ontario Fire Marshal and our colleagues at Durham Regional Police. Neither the Ontario Fire Marshal's office nor Durham Police have identified the person nor given their age. Now, I also spoke to somebody who works at a local business. He said that he saw the smoke coming from the house this morning, and they actually went to the front door and knocked on the door, but heard nothing, and then they called 911. Reporting live, I'm Sean Lethong. I'll send it back inside. All right, thank you, Sean. Some scary moments downtown overnight. A Tesla went up in flames after a crash on Adelaide between York and Bay. 
Police say the driver lost control and hit the curb. A 21-year-old woman's been arrested for impaired driving. No one was injured in the crash. To Brampton next, where coyotes have become such a concern outside an elementary school, the kids are being kept inside. As CTV's Scott Lightfoot reports, animal services and the city are very much aware, but solving the problem has proved tricky. The afternoon recess bell rings at Brampton's Our Lady of Peace Elementary School, but none of the kids come out for fresh air. It's not the weather that's keeping them inside. Oh my gosh. It's a coyote. It's concerns over coyotes. It's a concern for all the parents. Um, we want them gone. People who live in the area have seen a family of five coyotes around for a few weeks. I thought it was a dog at first, <laughs> but the way it was walking, you could tell it was wild and it was big and yeah, it was definitely a coyote. And since then, I've seen them three or four times around the area. But last week, the animals were observed in the schoolyard. One of them was just running the field, um, laying down for like an hour or so at a time. Since then, school officials have kept the kids inside throughout the school day. It just kind of runs around in the field. It doesn't really do much. Last time I saw it, it ran away. Parents and residents want the city to step in. Ideally, I'd like the coyotes gone. They, them captured, relocated, removed from this area. This is not a good habitat for them, right? So they need to be relocated to a better habitat. Brampton Animal Services said they first responded to a call about coyotes in the area on March 1st. And since then, they have been observing and engaging in aversion conditioning techniques with the animals. Their hands are sort of tied uh, with the Wildlife Act of Ontario, which says they can't trap them and move them on their own. You can sort of direct them in a new direction. Um, walking them in back into to their their traditional area of habitat, but you know the Wildlife Act of Ontario is restrictive. Brampton's mayor, who says he understands the concerns of area residents, maintains the city can find a way to convince the coyotes to relocate. We're going to find a way to make sure that um, in a in a manner that is legally appropriate that they get. Uh, um, that they find a new, uh, a new home elsewhere, not near a school. In the meantime, area residents will continue to keep an eye on their pets and be on the lookout for the new neighbours no one here wants. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. Toronto's deputy mayor is once again calling on other levels of government to address a budget shortfall. Jennifer McAlvey sent separate letters to Queen's Park and Ottawa, urging them to stick to their promise to help Toronto recover from the pandemic. She also points to increased needs to address the homelessness crisis and to shelter refugee claimants. The city's budget passed last month with a near $1 billion deficit. The Ontario Autism Coalition is accusing the province of not being transparent and ghosting them. It's leaving many families out of the loop. As for the province, it says the funding is there and it's up to families to register. CTV's Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris has the story. Parents of kids with autism came to Queen's Park pushing for a meeting with the government. We want to share our experiences. We want to help them with solutions, but we're not... We're, we're being ghosted a little bit there. They want progressive conservatives to make good on a promise to get more kids financial help for life-changing therapy sooner. The number of children waiting for autism services in Ontario has more than doubled under Premier Ford. And the wait list has ballooned to over 60,000 children. On that list, Sarah kittler Putzier's son. It's put our family in crisis. There's been stress. Her son registered with the Ontario Autism Program in 2017 when he was five. 
He's 10 now. My son is considered in service after five years and seven months waiting for core services, and we still don't have funding in hand. He's not in service. The minister in charge defended the government's approach. We have doubled the funding. We have five times more children receiving services than any uh, time under the previous Liberal government. It's not nearly enough for families waiting, says the opposition. At this rate, it's going to take 66 years just to clear the existing backlog. None of us are going to be here in 66 years. A spokesperson for the Minister of Children, Community and Social Services writes in part, over 40,000 children and youth have received support through multiple streams in the program. But the Ontario Autism Coalition counters that isn't about funding for core therapies. That part of the program is really just starting and we really don't know how many, what the numbers are for that. Even with funding, the wait to see a therapist can be years long, especially in northern Ontario. The coalition's calling on the government to spend more to add capacity to the system. Their call for a meeting with the minister responsible wasn't answered. At Queen's Park, Siobhan Morris, CTV News. In Ottawa, the Conservatives introduced legislation that would make people with mental illness ineligible for medically assisted dying. Our job is to turn their hurt back into hope, to give them faith that their lives can be better tomorrow than they are today, to treat mental health problems rather than ending people's lives. The Trudeau government has expanded Canada's medical assistance in dying regime. Starting next March, it will include those whose only medical condition is mental illness. But the bill tabled by the Tories would rescind that part of the regime. The Conservatives insist the Liberals are moving too fast. Kingston will be the site of a high-level bilateral meeting tomorrow between Canada and the European Union. Ursula von der Leyen is joining the Prime Minister for talks on a range of issues, including trade, investment and Russia's war on Ukraine. Later, the European Commission president will address Parliament in Ottawa. She wraps up her visit on Wednesday when Justin Trudeau hosts a reception for Canadian and European businesses and industry leaders. The Prime Minister is asking Parliament's National Security Committee to conduct an investigation into foreign interference. There will also be public consultations to create a registry for foreign agents. The developments come as the opposition continued to press today for a public inquiry. CTV's senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor reports from Ottawa. The RCMP doesn't usually comment on ongoing investigations. Today, it made an exception, confirming that it's looking into reported leaks about Chinese interference. The RCMP has initiated an investigation into violations of the Security of Information Act associated with recent media reports. An RCMP spokesperson said, this investigation is not focused on any one security agency. Recent news reports about meddling by China into the 2019 and 2021 elections were based on information allegedly provided by someone with links to CSIS, Canada's spy agency. If true, they could have violated the law that makes it illegal to reveal sensitive security information. The same concern about keeping operational details secret is complicating calls for a public inquiry. But the NDP leader wants an inquiry in an open venue. We believe this should be nonpartisan, it should be transparent and public, and we continue to push for that. That is our position. Jagmeet Singh wouldn't rule out withdrawing the NDP support that keeps the Liberals in power if they don't agree. The House Procedures Committee is already looking into the allegations in public, but the government maintains the closed-door National Security and Intelligence Committee of MPs and Senators would be better suited. But the Conservative leader today rejected the idea of confidential briefings. We're not going to have a situation where Conservatives are told that they have to be quiet about this scandal 
because they're sworn to secrecy. We need is a public inquiry that is truly independent. The Honorable Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs. In the first question period in two weeks, the government faced a barrage of questions. They need to be investigated by Parliament, not by Liberal insiders. It gave no new responses to demands to provide more information. We will continue to shine a light on the threats that are posed by foreign interference so that we can protect our democratic institutions. The House Committee investigating Chinese interference continues its hearings this week, with Conservatives insisting that the Prime Minister's top aide, Katie Telford, be called to testify, and the Liberals resisting. Glenn McGregor, CTV News, Ottawa. Police in Rochester, New York, are trying to determine what caused a deadly concert stampede. We are going to hold people accountable for what happened last night, period. When you put on a concert in this city or anywhere around the country, you have to make sure that all I's are dotted and T's are crossed. One woman died. Nine other people were injured following a show by rappers Glorilla and Finesse Two Times. Concert goers were leaving the venue when the crowd began to surge. Investigators say there's no evidence to support reports that shots were heard causing panic. They're looking at crowd size as one line of inquiry. In Pakistan, 10 police officers were killed in one of the deadliest attacks on security forces in recent months. Twelve others were injured when a suicide bomber attacked a police truck on a bridge in the southwest. It happened about 150 kilometers east of Quetta, the provincial capital. Both ISIS and a newly formed militant group have claimed responsibility. Ukraine's top military commanders pledged today to keep defending Bakhmut. Intense shelling targeted the besieged eastern city and nearby villages, but Russian forces have been unable to deliver a knockout blow that would allow them to capture Bakhmut. Ukraine's generals are opposed to withdrawing and are in favor of strengthening forces there. Thousands of people have died in a six-month Russian campaign to seize the city. Northern lights dance across the sky in Finnish Lapland, offering an awe-inspiring sight. Last night, the auroras turned the sky green, appearing over to Pasto, about 200 kilometers north of the Arctic Circle. A few nights earlier, auroras burst out nine times during the evening near a town south of there. The final few lasted a full half hour. There have been numerous sightings of the northern lights in recent weeks, including here in Ontario. The Toronto Film Critics Awards will be handed out tonight, recognizing the best in film internationally and here at home. And unlike other award shows, many of the winners have already been announced. But that does not mean that they cannot throw a party. CTV's Andrea Case joins us from the red carpet at the King Eddie Hotel. Andrea. Good evening, Michelle and Nathan. Yes, here we are at the beautiful uh, Omni King Edward Hotel. And most award shows, we say, you know, they just hand out statues. Here it's not just statues. The $100,000 prize is up for grabs, and that is for the best Canadian film. Now, the three films that are up for the honour is Crimes of the Future by David Cronenberg. We also have Rice Boy Sleeps and Clement Virgo's latest film. It's called Brother. So here we are on the red carpet with Lamar Johnson, one of the stars of the film, Brother, which is nominated for Best Canadian Feature. $100,000 is up for grabs tonight. Lamar, what's it like to be here tonight representing this film? I think it's incredible. You know, growing up um, in Canada, in Scarborough specifically, which is also where the film is based and set. So, I mean, just a full circle moment for me. So many parallels to my personal upbringing in this film. So just to be here representing the film and supporting it in, um, in whatever way that I possibly can um, is, is really exciting to me. 
So uh, does it make it harder to act or easier to act when you when so many things are familiar to you in the role? Um, you know, it, it makes it. I, I, hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I would say maybe it, it makes it a little easier because at least there's something to pull from. You know, I have true experiences that I'm able to pull from and sort of inform a lot of Michael's choices, who's my character in the film. So I think, uh, yeah, I'd probably say it might have made it a little easier. But, you know, obviously Michael and my upbringing weren't exactly the same. So there's still a lot of exploration that I was able to do through Michael um, and through his experiences and the relationships that he has. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, um, I would find it to be a little easy. Yeah. Okay, and finally, real quick, The Last of Us. Uh, I've just started watching it. Uh, my husband refuses to watch it because he's too scared. Um, what's it like to be involved in such an, a massive worldwide hit? Uh, it's um, it's amazing, you know, just to be able to to kind of showcase myself on a platform such as The Last of Us. Um, it's incredible, you know, again, once again, humble beginnings, you know, from Scarborough growing up. So to be a part of something as, as big as The Last of Us, um, it is it is a dream come true and enjoy. Any uh, spoilers for our viewers at home? Uh, no spoilers. Gonna have to wait and see. Uh, Sunday, the last episode is uh, is airing. So, yeah, really excited. Wonderful, and you can see that on Crave. It's vision of Bell Media. Uh, Lamar Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. Have fun tonight. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> And that was Lamar just a few moments ago. The red carpet is still happening here. As I said, the Toronto Film Critics Association has already picked their favorite film of the year, and that was After Sun. That won the top prize for uh, Best Picture and Best Director for Charlotte Wells. Reporting live from the red carpet at the Omni King Edward Hotel, I'm Andrea Case. I'll send it back to the studio. Thanks, Andrea. Coming up, a local soccer dome proves no match for all that snow. Shovels unite as volunteers gather en masse to help dig out and get it reinflated once again. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, door-to-door -door sales have been banned in Ontario for the past five years, but they are still happening. We continue to hear from viewers locked into expensive long-term contracts. I'll have what you need to know. That story is just ahead. We are live at Nathan Phillips Square tonight where Celebrate Toronto is happening. We are listening to new choir right now. And you know what? It's a pretty nice evening to be out here. If you're thinking of coming on down, just dress for winter. It is still the season after all. Here's a look at what you can expect for this evening. Uh, keep in mind that there is a bit of a wind chill. The winds are expected to strengthen a little bit later tonight. We've had a lot of snow recently. In fact, we've picked up about 52 centimeters of snow over the last 12 days. And there's more possibly in store by the end of this week. We'll talk about that with a look at your seven-day forecast coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Following many problems with the renting of furnaces and air conditioners, Ontario banned door-to-door -door sales five years ago this month. But despite the ban, many sales staff are still going door-to-door, -door, and many of the same issues with expensive contracts continue. Pat Foran explains on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, the ban on door-to-door -door sales doesn't cover all products, so companies can still try to sell you smoke detectors and thermostats. A couple who recently moved to Canada said they thought the items were free, and now they're locked into a long-term contract. 
Pooja and Bhargav Gedia moved to Mississauga from India three years ago. They say in November someone came and knocked at their door and said they were eligible to receive a thermostat and three smoke detectors free of charge. One is in the hallway, one is in the basement and one is upstairs. The Gedias say a salesperson told them they could also get government grants at no cost. We confirmed her with, uh, with him multiple times that there is no charge. But after the equipment was installed, they started to be billed $100 each month. I'm getting charged $50 per month in my bank account, plus 50 charge on my Enbridge account. The couple was locked into a 10-year contract, but when they complained, it was reduced to five years. The charges are for a heating and cooling protection plan and the leasing of the thermostat and smoke detectors, which over time totals $6,000. There is also a lien on their home. This is the first time that I have experience in three years after coming to Canada that things like this can happen and you should be more careful about it. The Getty has signed the contracts with More Connect. A spokesperson for the company said it follows all lawful and ethical rules and said, We strongly disagree with all of the allegations made regarding our company and its sales practices. To date, we have offered Ms. Getty many resolutions which we feel are more than fair. The OPP issued a news release on door-to-door -door sales following complaints that some people are being misled at their door. People are still are coming door to door. Um, they're very persuasive in trying to get you into contracts for different types of equipment in your home. I think a big thing is um, not being afraid to say say no to the door or not even answer your door. Anything unsolicited um, is unwelcome. The Gettys are currently trying to negotiate with More Connect to see if they can pay a reduced amount to get out of the contract and remove the lien from their home. And be very careful when you're asked to sign a contract. And remember, it's what it says, not what you're being told that matters. If you do sign a contract in your home, you have a 10-day cooling-off period to cancel it. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Parts of Northern California are bracing for more snow in the coming days. That's as residents remain without power and water. The officials, from what we've spoken to in the county officials, as well as calling the 211, they just keep telling everyone to go online. That's how you're going to get resources. But if they have no power and no Internet, how are they supposed to access their website? Another storm moved through the state yesterday, closing mountain roads again. It dumped snow in the Sierra Nevada and rain in the valleys. Utility crews have been working to restore electricity following the latest blast of wintry weather. Last week, California got as much as three meters of snow. The storm in Toronto delivered a lot of snow, too. But it's not stopping the city from holding a special party. Lindsay Morrison joins us once again from Nathan Phillips Square. Lindsay. Yeah, you know what? The weather's cooperating for this one, Nathan and Michelle. And I must say, doesn't our city look absolutely great for 189? This is a nice celebration to have here. Uh, finally back in person and the crowd has started to gather. Uh, we've been listening to some great music from New Choir. They're just getting ready to sing their next song here. But we will be hearing from uh, Pan Fantasy Steel Band as well as Glenn Lewis. There's so much to do here. There are food trucks. There's all kinds of vendors selling exciting things. And if you're feeling 
filling up for it, you want to keep warm, you can enjoy a hot chocolate beside uh, one of these lovely heaters here. And you might need that because when you factor in the winds, it feels a little bit cool out here. But condition-wise, we're faring just fine. Uh, things might change as we make our way toward the end of this week and into the start of next weekend. Let's get right to your forecast. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. As I mentioned just before the break, we have picked up 52 centimeters of snow in the last 12 days. And you know, the majority of that was from two storms only. Here's a look at the current satellite and radar. You've had some snow today if you're joining us from Hamilton, Cambridge, Kitchener-Waterloo, extending into Oakville and Burlington as well. It's been rain and a little bit of mixing across the extreme southwest. This system, though, a little bit of a miss for the city of Toronto. It, it was a tricky one for forecasters over the last couple of days. But for those who have seen maybe enough snow with that 30 centimeters we picked up last week, maybe a, a nice break for you. Here's our forecast radar. So as we set it in motion, a few flurries ongoing in the southwest. Tomorrow's like looking like a pretty nice day, mainly sunny skies, a little more cloud cover the further east you travel, and that will be the same story into the day on Wednesday. Mix of sun and cloud in store for us, and temperatures pretty well right where they should be. I do want to mention, though, tomorrow it is going to be windy. So while we will be enjoying sunshine and seasonable temperatures, winds could gust anywhere from 40 to even 70 kilometers per hour. Uh, there's a look at some of the peak gusts that we're forecasting for tomorrow afternoon. Tonight's forecast low is minus 3 degrees. The wind chill minus 10 into the minus teens is what it's going to feel like tonight in places like Aurelia, Perry Sound, and Bancroft. A little snapshot of what's in store for tomorrow. Again, lots of sunshine. Temperature around freezing in Stratford, 1 degree in Tilsonburg, two for you in Burlington, as well as Vaughn, zero in Orangeville. And in through eastern sections of our province, you can expect a daytime high of zero in Belleville and minus two degrees in the Halliburton area. Let's take you through the seven-day forecast. You know, I'm kind of happy to report that we have quiet weather conditions over the next couple of days. It's a nice change of pace from this very active weather pattern we've found ourselves in. An early heads up, though, for Friday night. We are not expecting nearly as much snow as we had last Friday night. But at this point, it looks as though a couple of centimeters could accumulate. Scattered flurries into the day on Saturday, perhaps Sunday as well. Keeping my eye on Monday, this, of course, is in the long-range forecast. We'll see how that pans out. And a reminder that we spring forward this weekend, so don't forget to change your clocks forward one hour. Again, we are live here at Nathan Phillips Square. This is Celebrate Toronto, celebrating the city's arts, culture, and diversity. We'll have a little more for you coming up here on CTV News at 6. For now, Nathan and Michelle, back to you. Look forward to it. Thank you, Lindsay. Well, for the most part, a snowplow coming through the street is great news. But what if beyond the snow, parts of your car go flying? CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. First, the side mirror blows off. Then the back of another car is hit. Turns out when it comes to the city of Toronto paying for damage caused by snowplows, having a video may make all the difference. I was lucky enough because I drive a Tesla and all the cameras record if there's any accident. Hagup Anjarkoshian says on February 23rd, his video shows the plow hitting the back of his Tesla. It resulted in him paying a $1,000 deductible for the $14,000 in damage to his taillight and charging port. He put in a claim to the city and is waiting. But he says three others who had broken mirrors on the same block the same night weren't given as hopeful a message. The cars that were behind me, who their side mirrors got smashed they actually reached out to the city and they asked like hey you know the snowplow actually smashed my mirror uh, who's going to take care of this and the city actually said that you know 
if you don't have a proof, we can't really do anything about it. So to actually see it was pretty shocking. One of those people is Samantha Miller. Initially, without the footage, she says she didn't get anywhere with the city. Then Anjar Koshian and Miller met, and because of his video, she too put in a claim. As of now, Miller says she paid $300 to fix the mirror and missed two days' pay at work. She says having to have video evidence is too high a burden of proof. If we have a ring camera on our house, we wouldn't have caught the roadside where we're being hit. It would have caught the street side. So it still could, they still could have come back to me and said, well, you can't prove that they actually hit you. It could have been anything that hit you. So I don't think it's fair. I can't personally get a $100,000 car that would record me getting hit. Miller says another broken side mirror was her dad's, but the video didn't capture it, so he too paid around $300 to fix it and didn't put in a claim. And Jarkoshian says pictures show it's obvious the mirrors were hit by a plow. The city tells CTV News since the start of winter, it's only received two claims for alleged damage to vehicles by plows. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Also tonight, transforming care for dementia patients. A unit at Brampton Civic Hospital is taking a dramatically new approach centered around emotional needs. A unit at Brampton Civic Hospital has just become the first in the world to certify something called the butterfly approach. As our health reporter Pauline Chan explains, it's a unique method to help people with dementia. They might pick a flower and they might um, put it in either a flower box if they were a gardener. This is the acute care of the elderly or ACE unit at Brampton Civic Hospital. And you'll notice right away how bright and distinctive the walls are. The bright colors are done deliberately in the context of making the patient being able to discriminate what their room is like, where the corridor ends. It's all part of the butterfly approach developed in the UK as a way of helping patients who have dementia. It basically uh, acknowledges the fact that dementia patients are feeling beings rather than thinking beings. And the premise of why it interprets it that way is because as dementia progresses, logical constructs of the brain start getting more and more compromised. However, the limbic brain, which is your emotional brain, is one of the last parts of your brain that gets affected with dementia. Stations for activities like picking fruit, doing laundry, and reading together keep patients engaged, active, and calm. It's night and day now from how it was when she first came in, like she was non-responsive, she was determined to go home, exit-seeking the whole time, and, and very, very agitated and upset. She's got everybody. Kathy says her aunt is now chatty, alert, and sings again. Patricia Geerlink says while the use of chemical and physical restraints is common in many other dementia settings, the butterfly approach has allowed them to greatly reduce their use here. And we see that we have better outcomes for patients because they're not expressing behaviors and we approach things in a very least restraint perspective. The unit was accredited in February and the data collected here will be used to validate the approach and plan for future applications of the butterfly approach. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Fans and fellow musicians are remembering a giant of southern rock. Leonard Skinner's Gary Rossington has died. Turn it up. The 
71-year-old guitarist was a co-founder of the band that roared out of Jacksonville, Florida in the early 70s. It released a string of classic hits such as Sweet Home Alabama, Free Bird, and Simple Man. Rosington's bandmates said today Gary is now with his Skinnerd brothers and family in heaven and playing it pretty like he always does. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Delicious holy dishes. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. Sharing crowd-pleasing recipes to brighten up your Festival of Colors feast. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. A sunny start to your day tomorrow, but a chilly one too. Wind chill around minus 10. This is your wake-up weather. Bundle up before you head out the door and stay with us. We have one more look at your seven-day forecast coming up here on CTV News at 6. We'll be right back. This is inhumane treatment to lock a six-year-old in a room like this. Updating our top stories, a Toronto mother says her young child's been facing ongoing discrimination and racism by staff in his TDSB school. The board says it's investigating and has placed the principal, vice principal and a teacher on home assignment. It's a concern for all the parents. Um, we want them gone. A pack of coyotes has forced students at a Brampton elementary school to stay inside for recess and lunch until at least March break. The school has been in contact with animal services for help to deal with the problem. We are listing this fire as suspicious. And a fatal fire in Oshawa has triggered an investigation into the cause of the blaze. Officials are focusing on an area of the home where they believe it started. The fire broke out this morning, leaving one man dead. On the markets, the loonies slumped 13 basis points to close at 73.43 U.S. U.S. oil gained 78 cents to 80.46 a barrel, and the TSX fell 66 points to 20,514. The Toronto Maple Leafs' big trade acquisition will be sidelined for at least 10 games. Ryan O'Reilly was placed on long-term injured reserve today with a broken finger. It happened when the forward was hit by the puck in Saturday's game against Vancouver. The team expects O'Reilly back for the playoffs. He's played nine games with the Leafs after coming over from St. Louis. The team also says Captain John Tavares will miss tomorrow's night, tomorrow night's game in New Jersey with an undisclosed ailment. The Raptors are in Denver tonight looking to build off some recent momentum. Gary finds Barnes in the corner. Fred! Yes, he did! Mm -hmm. The team is coming off an overtime win over the Washington Wizards on Saturday and has won nine of its last 12 games. The Raptors currently sit in ninth place in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Tip-off is set for nine. Counting on community, the snow-clearing efforts by one GTA community working together to put the life and the air back into a local soccer dome. We'll leave you tonight with a call to arms in Whitby and for anyone with a shovel and a helping hand. Residents have been working nearly nonstop to save a beloved soccer dome smothered by Friday's powerful storm. Here's our Mike Walker with the story. With shovels in hand, a small army of volunteers has been tirelessly digging out the Whitby Soccer Center dome from where it once stood. Well, we used the big dome over there and uh, when I saw it this morning, I just figured I'd come over and give them a hand. 
The weight of the snow from Friday's storm was simply too much. You can see part of the dome caving in, leaving the Whitby Football Club no choice but to deflate the dome before it ripped open. It starts to stick to the surface of the dome and you start to see the depressions. It just doesn't have the ability to melt off and roll down. With the deflated dome covered in heavy snow and ice, the soccer club put out a call for help on social media. Since early Saturday, more than 60 people have volunteered, including parents and coaches. This club does so much for the community and I just wanted to give back. Others with no connection showed up with their shovels today. You know, a lot of kids come out here to play soccer, and it's not fair if these guys can't play with the dome collapse. So the sooner we get it fixed, the better. While this is rare, it happened once before after the January blizzard last year. It was a bit of deja vu. I mean, just watching uh, the snow accumulate uh, on the dome. By deflating the dome, the soccer club was able to prevent it from being destroyed by the storm. The town is now helping pump away the melted snow and ice. There are also conversations about how to prevent this from happening again. But for now, there is a lot of heavy lifting with the community eager to help. You're not looking for these type of events, but it is reaffirming to see the type of community that you live in and seeing the people just giving their time to be out here. The goal is to have the dome reinflated and soccer being played here again midweek. Mike Walker, CTV News. It's a lot of snow. That's a big job. Well, no, uh, no more shoveling down at Nathan Phillips Square. Just celebrating 189 years ago today, Toronto came to be, Lindsay. Exactly, and I can think of the perfect way to celebrate, and that is with a nice warm cup of hot chocolate. I found the perfect place to hang out, in fact, but I want to show you where you go after you have the hot chocolate, and that is out to the warming lounge. Look how beautiful it is out here. I'm going to find myself a spot next to that cozy little fireplace, but first, let's take one more look at the weather for tonight. We've had a little more in the way of light snow in some parts of southwestern Ontario, as well as even the West GTA. There's the satellite light and radar just missing us here in the city of Toronto for the most part. Here's a snapshot of tomorrow, a mostly sunny day, afternoon high two degrees. But keep in mind, it's going to be a windy day, maybe gusting to about 50 or even 70 kilometers per hour. So while not a perfect day, it's still looking pretty nice in my opinion. Hey, if you're thinking of coming down to Nathan Phillips Square and enjoying some skating, here's a look at what you can expect late afternoon and into the early part of the evening. Again, not bad. Just dress according to it being winter as opposed to spring. We're not quite there just yet, even though our daytime highs are close to seasonal. The day, average daytime high this time of year is now about three degrees. Here is the seven-day forecast. Uh, pretty calm and quiet over the next couple here. Things get a little more active as we make our way into Friday night. I'm going to keep an eye on that one. Maybe a couple of centimeters of snow in our forecast once again. And then heading into the weekend, chance of flurries for both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we spring forward as we make our way into Saturday night. And then the early part of next week, maybe some active weather too. Happy birthday to the City of Toronto, 180 years young. Nathan and Michelle, it's been a great night here. I'll send it back inside to you. Cheers to you, Lindsay. Thank you. And that's it for us. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.